GreatSense68 returns this week to bring you the exciting news that three of the Birmingham City ladies are in the PFA Team of the Year. Find out who they are and how we got on against Yeovletown next. Welcome to episode 27 of Great Sense 68. I'm Craig Hadley and I'm joined as always by Chris Pugh. Did you remember to put some sun cream on last night, Chris? It was certainly a warm one where I was. It was. It's a warm one today as well. Yeah, it's uh, nice weather for it. It certainly is. It makes a change from the rain we've had recently and the bitter cold that's lasted into March time, which was exciting for everyone watching this uh, winter league. Yes, that's it, yeah. We'll get straight into it, and Wednesday evening saw Birmingham City travel to Taunton to face Yeovil Town. In the reverse fixture, Birmingham won 3-0 at Damson Park, but it was a different story last night. The hosts held on for a draw, despite Birmingham City having 32 shots, 63% possession, and a remarkable 17 corners. To put that into some kind of context, it's actually quite similar to the home match. At Solihull, we had 26 shots, but, and here I think is the crucial stat, 14 of those were on target. Being clinical can be the difference at this level. We saw it against Liverpool away earlier in the season. Sometimes you only get one decent chance and you have to take it. But this time, an abundance of shots, 32 of them, and Birmingham only tested the goalkeeper eight times. Chris, you were at the game. What happened from your perspective? It was one of those games, you know. We've we've seen it recently. We dis- we discussed recently the um, the England v Wales international were the World Cup qualifier, and this felt very very similar. You know, they defended for their lives, and and you knew what they were doing. They were they were going to try and be hard to beat. But yeah, I mean, you've you've read the stats out. They speak for themselves, and 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 really, thirty two shots at goal. We, we've we've got to be putting a few of those away and. Uh, you know, a couple of those chances were really guilt edge, and the girls will be disappointed. I know, I know Mark was disappointed afterwards, and and the girls were were too that that they hadn't made the most of the chances that that they'd created, um, and could only come away with a point. You mentioned uh, guilt edge chances, Chris. Who had the best chances, and what? How did they fall to them? Ellen went through one on one pretty early on actually in the first five or ten minutes what was to be a sign of things to come really um what through one-on-one and and straight at Megan Walsh who, who stood up strong and made a good save the form Ellen's been in this year you'd, you'd expect her to, to to not even give the keeper a chance from there Charlie Wellings towards the end of the first half um Ellen broke through on down the right hand side and and squared the ball for Charlie, who seemed to have all the time in the world. And again, she hit it first time, and and, and Walsh has managed to get a, a hand to it and tip it over. But really, she shouldn't have been given the chance to save it. And then in the second half, there was a there was a couple. Um, the clearest one was probably from a corner, and it's bouncing around. And I think it's fallen to Ellen about eight yards out. And it, Everybody's just expecting the back of the net to rustle, and, and, and unfortunately, she put it over the bar. And like I say, it was it was that sort of game. You just chances came and went, and you thought, oh, it's just going to be one of those days. Unfortunately, certainly a game which I was following uh, by Twitter and obviously on the BBC website for the scores and the stats, and obviously, but I was getting more and more nervous as the time ticked by. And as you saw the shot count go up, you thought it's got to happen at some point. They've got to get a breakthrough, but obviously they didn't. 
we mentioned Laura O'Sullivan last week, the former Yeovil keeper who did well for Wales. Um, and obviously the person who's eventually replaced her at Yeovil, Megan Walsh, is having a fantastic season. And it's even though it's bad for Birmingham at this uh, aspect to drop two points, it just goes to show how hard Megan Walsh is pay, uh, working hard and it's paid off today. Yeah, I think so, you know, and she, to be fair to Megan Walsh, she, even though we beat them 3-0 at, at our place, um, you know, I think Walsh came out of that game with a lot of credit, you know, made a made a number of good saves in that game as well. So she's shown that she's a, a, a young goalkeeper, you know, that that is he's, he's developing well and, and he's growing, you know, into a very, very good shot stopper. Um, to be fair as well, Coming and claiming crosses, she 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 looked very confident. She looked very calm. From a biased perspective, you're disappointed when the the Blues couldn't make the breakthrough. But actually, you know, if you're looking at it from a neutral's perspective, Megan Walsh has done has done really really well for you over this season. In a season where they've just picked up their first point with like four ga- three or four games to go, she's been the the bright spark in the overall season. Um, and if they are to progress next season, being in WSL 1 again, if they are to be better, then then they're going to have to keep hold of her because she's she's looking like she's a really good goalkeeper. Yeah, she certainly looks like a difference maker for Yeovil this season. And obviously another player who you, we will be familiar with recently in the Wales game again, Chris, was Kaylee Green. She started for Yeovil. How did she get on? She was everywhere. Um you know, she was she was very vocal, trying to you know trying to lead her team, trying to guide her teammates. You know, get them into the right positions. But you know, she was she was up front at times. She was out wide. I think she had their their only real shot of the game um, in the first half, uh, a half volley from about thirty yards out, which went wide. She tried to get into attacking position as possible. They made a change with early on in the second half. One of the one of the centre halves was was struggling, I think, with a head injury, and she went off. So Kaylee Green went into the back, into centre back as well. So, yeah, she was she was she was everywhere. She was she was committed and really really working hard, as were all the Yeovil players, to make sure that they they got that first point of the season. Yeah, absolutely, and obviously Yeovil have been long overdue a point, and it's unfortunate it's come against us. But as as we all know, they've been working hard. There've been a lot of players going in, a lot of players possibly going out. Just a lot of trying to find the right formula ahead of next season. Mm. Disappointing from from Blues' perspective because we wanted to win the game and we wanted to keep the pressure on at the top of the table. But but actually, what you don't want is is a, a ten team league with one or two teams absolutely adrift. You know, with, with with no chance of picking up any points, you know, you, you you want a competitive league. You want you want a good league with good teams and and a, every game to have something riding on it. And I think, like you say, as disappointing as it is for Blues not to have uh, picked up the three points, Yeovil getting that point might might give them that confidence boost and you know that drive to go forwards into next season. Hopefully so for them. Obviously, they're still looking for their first goal, but. Um, I think it was against Reading a few weeks ago. They hit the bar and, and I, hopefully they're going to get closer and hopefully before the end of the season they get one. The result leaves Birmingham in fourth with 23 points, with Chelsea still leading the way on 32. The Professional Footballers Association, the PFA, have announced the WSL1 Team of the Year voted on by the fellow pros and a player cannot vote for a teammate when deciding their choices. With all that being said, Birmingham City have three players in the Team of the Year and Katrin Berger, 
Our fantastic goalkeeper and arguably the best in the league. Aoife Mannion, the fan favourite at the heart of the defence. And finally, Ellen White, the current top goalscorer in WSL 1. All of them fantastic players for different reasons, Chris. And I think it speaks volumes of just how impressed other teams are of what Mark Skinner is building here at Birmingham City. Yeah, I agree completely. You know, it's when you get PFA vote, obviously your fellow professionals, it it means a, a, an awful lot more. Um, and I think, like you say, the the three that have been nominated have have had fantastic twenty four months, if you like. Um, obviously, the with the spring series as well, so fully deserve recognition for me. Um, I, like you say, I think. I think I would agree with the statement. We're horrendously biased, obviously, but I like to think I look at it impartially at times as well. And I don't think there's a better goalkeeper in the division than Anne. You know, we, we've been calling for Aoife to get an England call up for the last two years now. Um, you know, so her her inclusion is no surprise to us. And and obviously, Ellen, top goal scorer in the WSL one this year. So you know, the the stats and and watching her on a week to week basis. You know, shows that she deserves her inclusion as well. But, but like you say, I think the fact that fellow professionals are, are voting for it, you know, strikers are voting for Aoife because they obviously find it difficult to play against her. Um, defenders voting for Ellen because they're finding it difficult to play against her. It, 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 it's, it speaks volumes for, for what they've done this season and the last eight, like I said, the last 18, 24 months, really. I think it's. Um, I think it's testament to how well they've done recently. Absolutely, and congratulations to every single one of them. The full list was as follows. Anne-Catherine Berger, Hannah Blundell from Chelsea, Millie Bright from Chelsea, Aoife Mannion, Demi Stokes from Manchester City, Farrah Williams from Reading, Jiso Yun from Chelsea, Marin Mielder from Chelsea, Ellen White, Fran Kirby from Chelsea, and Beth Mead from Arsenal. There was five players from Chelsea, one from Man City, one from Arsenal, one from Reading, and of the course, three from Birmingham City. Chris, uh, who do you think was unlucky to miss out on this? Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. I think Demi Stokes at, at left back, um, you know, has, has had a good season, but I, I think both fullback positions really are, are tricky ones. You know, Hannah Blundell's had a very, very good season, and you know, has been, has been deservedly. Deservedly rewarded with um with her England call up recently that she had to the full squad. Um, I, I think central midfield for me, there's been a lot of performers. Kira Walsh for Man City, um, Jordan Nobbs, Kim Little's come back in and done really well. Lucy Staniforth has been exceptional for Sunderland this year. Um, you know maybe Farrah, I think has been a little bit a little bit fortunate to get in based on based on scoring a couple of worldies this season. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think overall you look at the side and nine slash 10 pick themselves really. I think, I think you can, you can certainly say for, for the vast majority of them that, yeah, actually they've had, they've had terrific seasons and, and they've played a big part in, in getting their sides to where they are this season. Yeah, absolutely. I was a bit surprised at the lack of City players in the team, especially uh, Jill Scott, perhaps because she has been nominated for Player of the Year, that she wasn't included. That in the was team. a strange one. Yeah, like you say, it's, it's unusual to have someone nominated for PFA Player of the Year who's not in the Team of the Year. But you know, they they only picked 
three central midfielders so that they can have the three up front. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it speaks for the fact that people don't think City are as strong as they were twelve to eighteen months ago. Maybe um, you know. Listen, we, we we as fans have seen everybody this season, and I think I don't know what you think. I think Chelsea are the best team in the league by a long way. So I think I think it's not a surprise to see five Chelsea and one Man City player in there, based on based on the fact that these teams play everybody the way I see it. I think I think teams fear playing Chelsea more than they do anybody else. I would I would agree with that. I think Chelsea are the strongest team this year, but I think. Man City seem to have something when they play Chelsea. They have the edge. Apart from the mm. apart from recently, they've managed to turn it around Chelsea, obviously in the cup game. But until then, it seemed like Man City had the edge on them. But maybe that's changing as and the team of the year reflects that. I was looking at this team when I, when it first came out and looked to those front three, and I'm thinking if we can get that for England at some point, that's going to be one hell of a strike force. Well, it's not bad, is it? Considering they are all English, and it's certainly it's certainly a, a front three that you could put up. You know, against anybody, really. Um, yeah, like you say, it's it's a it's a frightening prospect when when you've got all those goals that those you know those front three have scored, not just not just this year, but in in previous seasons gone by as well. You, they're all in a rich vein of form, and they're all very confident when they get in front of goal. And and like you say, if you go into the to the latter stages of a international tournament with those three up front, then then teams are going to fear you certainly. Also, over the last week, the Blues reserved side travelled to St George's Park last weekend to take on Manchester City. Birmingham eventually lost the game three-one, with Emily Joyce getting a consolation for the Blues. It's a bit like the trip down to Wembley last season, Chris. A nice per a nice personal moment for Joyce, but Birmingham just fall short in another final. Yeah, against Man City again. Um, you know, it's becoming a an unfortunate theme, isn't it? Losing cup finals to Man City, but the actual occasion. Um, I think the girls can can learn a lot from it. Um, you look at how how the the first team reacted to to the defeat in the FA Cup final. They've gone on and strengthened this season, and they they've got better and better. And and hopefully these girls will as well. You know, they're. They're still all relatively young, um, you know. Someone like Joyce, like you say, who who can can take that moment away. Nobody could take that moment away from her scoring in a in a final at St George's Park. You you learn from it and and you grow and, and you get better for the experience. Um, you can't win them all, but hopefully, when when their time comes around next time, which I'm sure it will do, then then they'll be better prepared for for taking on whoever it is that they have to face. Yeah, certainly. I mean, the pressure uh, of playing in these sort of games, if you if you can manage to deal with that pressure and then you learn from uh, matches where you don't win, but still you can handle the pressure and you haven't like embarrassed yourself, then obviously that experience is going to carry you forward as a better player in the future. Yeah, of course, you know, and I'm sure it would have for most of the girls, it would have been um, it would have been their first taste of a of a situation like this, an event like this, a, a big final. Um, against a big team like Man City, um, but I think I think they could take a lot away from it. Were they three 0 down at one point? They were indeed. Yeah, so you know, at three 0 down, you can you can easily lose your heads and and drop away, and and it could become quite a humiliation. But they haven't let that happen. They've you know they've got themselves a goal and they've kept in the game and they haven't let Man City run away with it. So 
so there's certainly things to to develop um you know and things to positive to take away from the final and in the future that they've got this experience of of a big final you know a, a one-off cup game and 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 they learn from it and get better We'll take a brief trip over to Lone Watch now and despite losing 2-0 to Liverpool on Wednesday, our keeper on loan at Bristol City, Sophie Bagley, put a bit of a smile on my face thanks to Ross Jr.'s FC Twitter account. For those unaware, Herefordshire-based Ross Juniors is one of the sister clubs associated with Birmingham City Ladies and one of their players, and presumably their parents, made the trip down to Bristol to see Sophie play. Under-13's goalkeeper Caitlin broke her wrist at the weekend and still wanted to make the trip down to see one of her favourite players play. So she donned a Bristol City shirt and went down to the game. Seeing this dedication, Sophie gave young Caitlin her match gloves after the game and signed them. It's a really nice touch, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, and you can tell it means a lot to to the players. You know, Sophie's gone down to Bristol on loan and, uh, you know, and, and, and there's somebody who's connected with Blues Ladies who who has taken the time to go down and, and watch her, you know, and I think it's fantastic to see. And that's what, that's what will ultimately grow the women's game. You know, if you've got 13 year olds uh, like Caitlin, who, who are, who are really into their women's football and, and are prepared, you know, the parents as well, obviously there's a lot reliant on them um, that they're prepared to, to help the kids get into the game. Um, you know, and I think the, Certainly the accessibility of the players, you know, so Sophie's a fantastic person as well as a fantastic goalkeeper, you know, a, a really, really nice individual. Um, and it's not a surprise to see her doing something, giving something back to Caitlin for, you know, for travelling all the way down and watching her, um, you know, and, and it's fantastic to see. And, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned, that's what, that's what sets women's football apart, I think, it, you know, even though the game is growing and you know bigger teams are coming into it and more money's coming into it, you have, you have still got that that connection between fans and players. And and for Sophie to do that, you know, she she didn't have to, but she took you know t- took her time out and uh, and gave Caitlin, I, I think it was a pair of gloves, wasn't it, her match gloves. So um, yeah, fantastic for both of them, really, for for Sophie to keep ha- ha- have these supporters going down to watch her. Um, and also for the young girls being able to meet their heroes. Yeah, absolutely. It's as you say, it's one of the things that sets the women's game apart from the other forms of football. Obviously, players players growing up in the women's game, obviously they would have had role models in the men's game as well, like maybe David Beckham or someone like that when they were growing up in younger generations. I'm going to start getting uh, sharing my age when I start naming some players. But <laughs> there's always whoever you support, there's always a player you look up to and get inspired by and like. Uh, they're your idol growing up as a player. Yeah. For me, when I was um, as a Chelsea fan in the, in the men's game, at least, like Gianfranco Zola is the player that I set apart as. He was the guy I I adored as a player. He's not much of a manager, but I could I can comment on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 important to have that role model, and obviously being able to have that connection with them in the women's game more so, and being able to meet them and getting to know them as a person on a on a one to one basis after games and stuff is such a great. Uh, thing for uh, fans to have and obviously that's going to inspire more people to follow the women's game in the future hopefully and and and, and be part of the women's game as well Absolutely. you know st- join a club and uh, and become part of a team and things like that that like you say that is how that is how you're going to grow the game by 
by introducing girls at a young age and, and getting them to to experience what it's like for, for the players, you know, to be able to talk to the players and get signatures and, and have a chat with them after the game and everything. It, it means the, the world to, to young supporters like that. Absolutely. And there's there's fans even at Birmingham City who go to see um, some of the players on loan. I know Chris Freeville, shout out to him. Yes. He takes his daughter down to see Coral Jade Haynes playing for Tottenham a few times this season. So And uh, maybe Chloe Peplow early in the season. I've, I'm sure you've seen her in the um, over the last year, Chris. Yes, I have. Yeah, it's 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 nice to see players past and present at Birmingham who uh, you go to, you you respect you respect them and become a, uh, bonded to them over the years. And you, despite where they go on loan or if they might gone to another club in the past, you still follow their journey. And when you get to see them, they they they're reminded of that and they um are happy to see you. And it's just it's nice that those bonds can be formed in this uh, sport. Hundred percent, you're right. Yeah, um, you know and. You mentioned about showing your age. It, it, I'm way past it now, but you know some of these girls are, you know, 17, 18, 19. It does take you back to when you were that age, and and actually, if if you'd have had the the opportunities that they've got now, um, you know, you you you'd take it with both hands, and they've got um they've got a brilliant way in now. The the young girls have um, you know, the, the opportunities to to make a career, make a living out of women's football have probably never been better. So, um, yeah, but like you say, you take your time out to for a couple of fans for half an hour every so every now and then and, and they don't forget you. No, that's absolutely true. And finally, being named in the PFA Team of the Year wasn't the only accolade for Ellen White this week. On Monday, she was named WSL 1 Player of the Month for March. An award I think we'd both agree she deserves after the impact she's had for Birmingham. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, our 13, including the Oval game, 13 points out of 15, um, five clean sheets. But actually, you know, Blues' problem over over the course of the WSL really has been, has been golf. Finishing those chances, we've always been strong in defence, but, you know, finishing those chances, turning draws into into victories um has been so important for us this season and and as you say since since march ellen's been ellen's been the one who who we've been able to rely on time and time again to to finish our chances so yeah yeah i agree fully deserved yeah absolutely she's going to be right up there with the at least in the wsl one era i suppose She's that. She's going to be one of those strikers up there in that Birmingham history, alongside the likes of Jodie Taylor and uh, obviously Rachel Williams at her first spell with the club. Yeah. Someone who's known for goals and really can find her form and find the net, and that's what she's doing this season. It's going to be her best season in her, probably her career, and it just goes to show what a great job they're doing at Birmingham. Yeah, you know, and she, I'm, I'm sure Ellen will will comment on on the fact that her teammates have, have given her the opportunity to score all these goals as well. But, you know, the younger girls, whatever Charlie Wellings is doing in 10 years' time, you know, hopefully she's a, a regular England international in 10 years' time. Emma Follis, the same. And, you know, people like that. Ellie Brazil last year as well. Um, I'm sure in 10 years' time they'll all look back and if people say, you know, who helped you most throughout your career, I'm sure, I'm sure Ellen White's name will crop up as someone who was a big inspiration to him. And that's all for this week's show. Thanks to Chris for joining me. You can find him on Twitter at 
W-C-A-I-B. And you can find me at Craig Hadley, that's with a double E at the end. And it's also thanks to Jazar for allowing us to use his song No Control in our intro and outro music. You've been listening to the Great Since 68 podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us so you can receive the show every single week as soon as it comes out. Just search for Great Since 68 on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and any other podcast platform you may use. If you prefer to listen through SoundCloud, be sure to give us a follow on there so you can get notified every single week when the episode is out. You can also follow the show on Twitter at GreatSynth68. Thanks for listening, everyone, and remember, keep right on. <laughs>